0: This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning. We'll be in Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried
1: Walking and leaping and praising God. Walking yeah. and leaping and pray. There you go. Good job, Catherine. Anyone know that song? Oh, good. Those uh, Sunday school. Very good. Yeah, those folks in the first service didn't know it. So, uh, no. In March of 2011, a massive earthquake occurred off the shores of Japan. In fact, it was a 9.0 on the Richter scale. It was the largest earthquake that Japan had ever experienced. The fourth largest in recorded history around the world. Massive earthquake. The earthquake was so strong that it knocked out the cooling power at Fukushima nuclear power plant. And then the tsunami came. And the tsunami knocked out the backup power, resulting in one of the worst nuclear tragedies since Chernobyl. Well, it had to be fixed, and someone had to go in and fix it. And it took engineers to do that, and the problem was there was so much leftover radiation that whoever was going to go into the bowels of this power plant to fix the issues was unquestionably going to be exposed to radiation that would inevitably result in cancer five, ten years later. And a lot of these engineers were like in their 20s and 30s. And to go in there and to do that would mean that by 40 and 50, they'd be getting cancer, many fatal cancer. But there was a group of older men. These were retirees who used to work at the power plant, men who were now in their late 50s, early 60s, who still knew what to do. And there were 200 of them that volunteered to take the place of these younger engineers Because if they got cancer, it would be in their 70s and 80s toward the end of their lives. And it wouldn't impact their families nearly as much. And so they volunteered and they went in. And that incredible act of kindness made ripples around the world, impacted the world. Acts of kindness can do that. Acts of kindness can be very, very powerful things. Now, when you couple an act of kindness with a gospel opportunity, not just the world can be impacted, but eternity can be impacted. And what we see going on here in Acts chapter 3 is that very thing. Peter and John walking into the temple, seeing a man in great need and reaching out and meeting that need. And as they do that, they give him Jesus and that act of kindness, as we're going to see, led to multiply gospel opportunities. In fact, over the next two uh, sermons, we're going to really get the whole chapter of Chapter Three down, and it really goes together. It's really one continuing story. And if I was going to summarize the whole story, I would put it like this: Act. Acts of loving kindness will lead to multiplied gospel opportunities. Acts of loving kindness will lead to multiplied gospel opportunities. This is what we're praying that God would do right here in our church. And so I want to take a moment and lean in first of all this week and let's just talk about these acts of loving kindness. These acts of loving kindness. If I was going to give the sermon today a big idea, a thing that I'm reaching for, something that I want you to leave here saying, it would be this. I will actively love others today jesus i will actively love others to jesus listen i say it all the time i don't just stand up here to provide for you 30 minutes of religious entertainment on a sunday morning i don't live my life just to come up and to give a nice message you can come and say "Mm, wasn't that nice and then leave the same as you came i want us to be continually growing in our walk with jesus christ As I lay my finger on the pulse of the church as a whole, one of the areas we need to grow the most in is our outreach to our community and our city. And how will we do that? This is why we're going through Acts. And I want to tell you right now, if we actively love others, we can actively love them to Jesus. What does that look like? Well, I want to take this first part of the story, verses 1 through 10, and from this, there's four steps to take, four things, four actions we can actually do to deepen this. So let's write the first one down. Here it is. Number one, let's see the deeper need. Let's see the deeper need in verses 1 through, really, verse 6. So let's look at this together again. Let's jump back to the text and look at verse number 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man, I want to just pause there just for a second. Uh, uh, note this. How how did this need, this opportunity come up for, for Peter and, and John? Were they out knocking on doors, kind of like evangelism explosion of the day? You guys remember Evangelism Explosion? You remember that? Kind of a big deal back in the day, and they would knock on all the doors and, and, and were they doing that? Were they going out to the streets and just standing on soap boxes and preaching? Now here's what they were doing. It, it, it was the ninth hour. It was the hour of prayer. And, and every devout Jew just did this as a part of their life. So what Peter and John are doing, they're just living life. They're doing what they always do. They're going through the normality of the steps that they take every day. But today was different. Look at verse number two. And a man lame uh, from birth was being carried whom they laid how often? Let's try it again. I'll start in verse number two. I know it's hard. Uh, sometimes reading and stuff. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. So, so this is what uh, James and Peter do every day. And how often was the guy laid there? Daily. Every day. How many times had they passed him before? How many times did they walk by and not see it? But the day they saw it, verse number three, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from him. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, maybe underline that little phrase, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Today was different. Today they saw him with new eyes. Jesus had told them to do that, Jesus told them to see, to look. Do you remember this from John 4 verse 35? Do not, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And just look and see. There are needs all around. There are gospel opportunities all around, but you gotta lift up your eyes, man. You gotta be thinking about it. Go about your day, yes, but go about your day with the mission and the passion and the eyes of Jesus. See the needs around you. So they saw. And they saw the need. They saw the need. Because here was a man who was a beggar, a lame beggar. And not someone living comfortably, not someone who had life put together, but somebody who was ostracized by the community and somebody who was in desperate, desperate need. See, in our day, someone like him would have some options. They could go to the government for help. They could go to certain organizations that reach out to people in this situation. Now, I'm not saying that we've taken care of everything and we've done our complete job and the job is done meeting those kinds of needs, but I will say there were options for people today. Back then, there, are, there were no options. Like, if you were lame you had no choice. You couldn't work. There was no government help coming. So all you could do is beg other people to give you money. Which was hard because the people saw these, these people with these kind of ailments as sinners who had messed up somehow, and that's why they ended up there. You know, live righteously, be blessed, sin, and God's going to curse you. And well, God cursed them. Either him or maybe his parents. Remember how when Jesus is walking the earth and they see a lame guy and they say, Hey, God, is it who sinned, him or his parents, that caused this? And that's what's the mentality of the day. And he was in need. He was in desperate need. Ostracized, not able to care for himself, not able to work. And that's who they reach out to, that's who they share Christ with. Jesus said the fields are ripe unto harvest. Have you ever thought about what makes fruit ripe and what makes fruit not yet ripe? Have you ever thought through that? Uh, I'm not talking about like actual tomatoes or this tomatoes. You can't use apples. You know why you can't use apples as a pitcher for ripe fruit? Because Granny Smith ruined it for us, right? Those Granny Smith apples, they're green. But tomatoes, I know some of you like fried green tomatoes, and that's cool too. But point being is that one's ripe, one's not ripe. All illustrations fall apart. But um, <laughs> the point is, Amen. in life, as you're looking, you try to find the ripe fruit. What are you looking for? In people, in people's lives, what makes something ripe? Well, just study a little bit the kinds of people Jesus reaches out to, the kinds of people Jesus meets. My son is dying, but you can heal him. Tragedy, difficulty, and that's who Jesus reaches. The woman at the well who was in horrid, horrid sin over and over again. Man after man after man. The man she was now living with wasn't her husband. And that's who Jesus reaches out to. People with leprosy. But how did the Pharisees react to Jesus? How did the rich react? Jesus said himself, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. I think one of the difficulties in our own personal evangelism, one of the reasons why we're not seeing the fruit that we should see is because we're throwing our gospel opportunities out to people who don't really feel they need it. And yet all around us, Jesus said, lift up your eyes and see. There's need all around. Church, we need to lift up our eyes and see those who are in need around us. That guy who's going through a divorce, that woman who just found out she had cancer, that family whose son is in the hospital and may not come out. People who have life crushing them, they're at the end of their rope, they don't know what to do, and they need Jesus. And they recognize their need for Jesus. And according to God, those people are all around. Man, I'm, I'm thinking about that in my own life. Who do I pass by every day, every week who, who needs Christ? Who can I share with? You it's know, what's interesting, though, in, in the text is they go even deeper than the physical need. So they saw the need. But put this down as well. See the deeper need. See the deeper need. Hey, uh, was this man's greatest need some money? Was that his greatest need? No, I mean, he's gonna give him some money. I mean, I mean he, he got money from, from people and that helped him. I and mean, it feels like it's a great need because I gotta eat today and, and I gotta clothe myself. I gotta have housing. So it feels like that's a great need, but that wasn't his greatest need. Let me ask you, was his greatest need physical healing? That's awesome they did because when they healed him physically, now he can get a job. And now not just, just have money for a day, but to be able to work to provide for his whole life. So that's great, but was that his greatest need? No, his greatest need was he needed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And what Peter and John do is they heal him, but they heal him in Jesus' name. And as a result, this man places his faith in Christ. Well, how do you say that, Pastor? The text doesn't say he believed in Jesus. He just was just healed. But it does say that. Look at verse 16. We're going to jump ahead a little bit and take a look at 316, which says this. uh, Peter is preaching Jesus now to the crowd that gathers and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus, the faith that is through Jesus, has given this man this perfect healing in the presence of you all. Do you see that? Who did he believe And He believed in, in Jesus, and he believes in Jesus' name. And because of that, he is healed perfectly, not just physically, but in his soul. We gotta see the deeper need. Your neighbor's biggest problem isn't that he's a liberal. Your neighbors, your coworkers' greatest problem is not if she is or is not going to get the vaccine. Notice how I said both sides there, okay? So that's that's the way a pastor protects himself from riots. All right, that's how we do that. Their greatest need is Jesus Christ. A couple questions for you. What might we need to do this week in order to lift up our eyes? Maybe it's put John 4.35 on a note card and put that on our dashboard or in our pocket or on the mirror when you're getting ready. Uh, Maybe that's what you need to do. Pray about it as a couple before you leave the house in the morning. God help us to see those around us who we can reach out and love for Jesus. Who might you be walking past every week that just needs the gospel and that you can reach out to and share? Who's who's lost in our blindness, our day by day busy blindness? I do this too. Someone told me, Pastor, I saw you walking this week downtown, and man, you must have been in a hurry getting somewhere. I'm like, hmm, no, it's just how I walk. I just walk with a purpose everywhere I go, and I'm always like, to that next thing and to the next thing, and you're probably like me. i got a calendar I'm trying to keep, and i got to get to appointments, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I just just kind of think, like, how many people did I pass downtown as I was walking like an infantry soldier and not lift up my eyes to see this week? I don't know. It's convicting. Do you spend more time addressing peripheral needs or getting to the greatest need. Step one, let's see the deeper need. Step two, write this down as well. Uh, believe God can use you. Believe God can use you. Let's go back to the story and, and let's, let's see. This is incredible what happens here. So, again, verse number seven. Oh, uh, verse number six. Uh, but Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Now, watch this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What? What in the heck are you trying to do, Peter? That's crazy. Like walking by a guy who's lame and saying, hey, I can do this. I got the power. Stand up and walk. Why then the world possessed him to believe that he could do that? That the guy would actually get up and walk. What possessed him was Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ told them they would do greater works. This is John 14, 12. Look what verse John 14, 12 says. This is again Jesus talking to the 12 disciples that were around him and he said this, truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and what church greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the father so, so yeah Jesus called them Jesus called them to do this I've called you to do greater works more than that he empowered them to do it he promised they would have power John uh, 14 goes on to say this and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. So I'm going to give you a helper to help you with this. And remember from Acts 1, he says, when the Holy Spirit has come, you're going to receive power. And now here's Peter. He's on the other side of that. The Holy Spirit has come. He's been filled with the Spirit. Spirit's indwelling him now. He's got the power to do this. God called them. God empowered them. And lastly, God used them. Jesus reached this lame person and gave him the ability to heal, but he did it through Peter. Peter gives Jesus the glory for it. If you look at verse number 12, what happens is again, people see this and they begin to gather and they're amazed by it. And Peter says this in verse number 12 of chapter three. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power of piety, we made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate. Basically, he just said, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Jesus used them. It was through Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. But listen, the conduit was the faith of Peter. All right, church. Has God called you? Okay, let me show you for sure, so you'll be able to answer more confidently the next time I ask. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beautiful text. And we're going to see a verse here that's often quoted, but rarely is it quoted in context. And I want you to see it in context. It's powerful when you see it in context. This is 1 Peter chapter 5. And uh, therefore, take a look at verse number 16. Verse number 16. Sorry, 2 Corinthians. I don't know what I just said. You try speaking in public for a living. I meant to say 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. And here's a verse we often quote Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Uh, pause. Praise God, we're a new creation, right? That's so thankful I'm a new creation. I'm not the same as I was. Not what I want to be. But praise God, I'm not what I once was. Now, what kind of creation has he made us? What's new about us? Verse 18, all this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You've been called You've been given a ministry, and that ministry is a ministry of what? Okay, what the heck does that mean? What does reconciliation mean? Uh, let me get a couple of guys here. Uh, can I get Darren McCown, and let me get Craig Crook. If I can get you two guys up here. You guys are in my small group, and you're very you know shy, demure kind of guys, but we'll have you come up here if you would, please. If you know Darren, he's very calm, nothing excites him much. you know he's just low-key, kind of a guy, but thank you, Darren. Darren, I'm going to make you God. Is that all right? <laughs> We're nickel.) <if> you... <laughs> it's all right. And Craig will make you man. And God created man, and God and man were in perfect relationship. Go ahead and handshake. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) No, no. This is Craig. This is Craig. You just saw a good relationship. Yeah, but as sweet as uh, Craig appeared to be, he turned his back on God and sinned in the garden, right? Because God is holy, not just holy, but holy, holy, not just holy, holy, but holy, 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 he had to turn his back on man. And this relationship was hindered and broken. Now, listen. This is the state that most people are in. You're all right. <laughs> What's he doing back there? <laughs> this is the state that most people are in. It isn't, isn't the most precious thing in your life the personal relationship you have with God? I mean, it's just, that's it. That's everything. But most people don't have that. They are they're at odds with God. But God in his love sent Jesus to die on the cross And when Jesus died, he took on man's sin, enabling God to turn back once man returns to God. And now that relationship, once broken, has now been reconciled. Reconciled. Thank you, guys. And you and I have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And God can use you with the power of the Holy Spirit to bring people back into the right relationship with God, the greatest thing in the world. God used Bobby Anderson, a gal at the church I was a youth pastor at, in a great way. Every year we would have um, a VBS, very uh, exciting but uh, aggressive VBS where we'd go out and really get a lot of visitors. We had a lot of the visiting kids from the community that would come, because you'd go out every day and you'd invite, you'd find them. And there's anyway, the kids just did a great job inviting their friends. And every year we would have all kinds of kids from the community we didn't normally have. And we just took the opportunity as much as we could to preach the gospel and to preach the gospel and to preach the gospel. And when a young person was saved, we would put a little card and we would write their decision down, just would have a record of that and... Bobby Anderson always just gave herself all week to that and came and served, and, and sweet, sweet lady who just loved the Lord dearly. Fast forward several years, and uh, it's 2001, and I'm in my sleeping in my uh, house, and I get a phone call at four in the morning from the senior pastor of the church. I'm the youth pastor. The senior pastor calls, and when the senior pastor calls you at 4 a.m., it's never good, and this wasn't good, and... He said, Pastor, it's really, really bad news. One of the teens in my youth group, her name was Jolene. And Jolene had just started coming back to the Lord, just started coming back to the church. And her house burned down and she was caught inside and she died in the house fire. And our hearts were just broken. Later on that week, I get a call from Bobby who said, Pastor, I was flipping through my Bible, and she was in tears. And I found the card. when Jolene came to VBS, and she accepted Christ, and I had a chance to lead her to the Lord. And, and there was something to cling to, to say Jolene had heard the gospel, and at one time she prayed to accept Christ to be her Savior. And God used Bobby Anderson to do that. God can use you. God can use you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he that he will use you? He's called you, church. He's empowered us, and he will use us for his glory. Does your self-deprecation keep you from a boldness at times? It's not about you. Would you say that with me? Say, it's not about me. Tell your neighbor, it's not about you. Some of you husbands just got yourselves in big trouble. We get caught up in that. I'm not worthy. I'm not living like I should. I'm not worthy. No, you're not worthy. That's why you need the gospel, and you have the gospel. And guess what? They need the gospel, too. So just pray and ask God to forgive you, and then preach the gospel. In fact, it leads us to this, taking steps from this text. What did they do? Well, first of all, they saw the deeper need. Secondly, they believed that God would use them. And thirdly, they reached out in love. So we're going to take it as an action step, reach out in love. We've already identified the guy's greatest need was not his physical issue, but yet there was no way they were going to reach his heart until they met the most felt need at the time, and his most felt need at the time was his physical problem. Now they could have said, "Hey, I'm sorry you're lame. Really, this—that's that's not your deeper problem. You really need Jesus. Let's just skip past the whole lame thing and get right to Jesus." They could have done that, but—but—but they—they—they they helped him in his need, and that helping him in his need is what gave the evidence that Jesus was who He was, and. Places his faith in him and was changed by it. And I'm telling you, we need to reach out in love. It's, yes, it's great to see the deeper need. It's great to believe God will use you. But faith requires action. Faith requires action. We see it all throughout the Bible. Moses at the banks of the Red Sea with Egypt pursuing. Could God have just parted the Red Sea, just boom and parted it? He could have, but he said, Moses, lift up your staff. Then he parted the Red Sea. At the banks of the Jordan when they were crossing over to the promised land, could God have just parted the Jordan? He could have, but instead he said, step into the water. Wait out a little bit deeper. Put your feet in the water. You know the song? All kinds of songs. You guys are no, I'm really showing my oldness. So you guys are revealing how young you are. But reality is, I'm getting older. All right. So they re- stepped into the Jordan. Time and time again, there was action to the faith. Action to the faith. And I want to suggest two two things that we need to do. First of all, reach out and meet the need. Reach out and meet the need. We need to do that. There are needs around us. Can we can we lift up our eyes and see the needs? And upon seeing them with faith, say, okay, I want to do something about this. Now, um, here's the thing about outreach. Outreach requires, I mean, if, if you're going to do it, it requires intentionality. And I think this is often, often missed. Like, like say amen if you want to be a better witness. Amen. Awesome. Uh, but if I said, you know, I want to be in better health, but I did nothing about that, Am I ever going to get in better health? No, I've got to get a plan together to say this is what I've got to do. All right, same thing is true with outreach. And here's what I want to suggest to you. I, I have this... Um I'm, I'm building this right now in my own life and it'd be cool if you would maybe do this too, but these are like intentional outreach notebook and what I'm gonna do first of all is to consider and what I mean by that is I'm gonna, I'm gonna see the, maybe the needs around me or the people around me and I'm gonna begin to intentionally reach out, reach out to some folks. Now, I'm gonna always watch for the greatest need, the people under the rocks. You know, I'm going to always watch out for those, and that's the ripe right fruit. But I also want to reach my neighbors. Like, for me personally, I'm really convicted about the fact, I live on a cul-de-sac, and I'll drive out of my uh, um, garage, and I'll drive all the way across town, because I live southwest, so I drive up northeast, and I get in the pulpit, and I say, preach the gospel, preach the gospel, get back in my car, drive back down to my little cul-de-sac, go back into my garage. Well, if I'm gonna say preach the gospel, how about the folks that are right around me? How about my neighbors? And so for me, I made a little, little, little map. And you can see here's my cul-de-sac. Looks like an alien head, but really it's a cul-de-sac. Shut up. And, uh, <laughs> I have my neighbors around there. I got, I got my neighbor Devin who just moved in with his, um, German Shepherd dog Zeus. And then I got Tom and Linda, but I've been preaching the gospel for Tom for a long time. Judy already knows the Lord. Judy loves Jesus. It's been cool talking to her. But right across the street from me, uh, Gary and Leslie, and uh, they're right across the street from me. So number two, what I need to do is contact them. I need to get to know them. So I, I've got their names down. I'm praying for them. But now here's here's uh, uh, Gary and, and Leslie, and I got to get to, I don't know much about them. And, and so God's so good to me. This past Saturday, um, we did some work for the association. That I'm a part of, and part of that was spreading the mulch, and just so happened that I was asked to do it, and Gary was asked to do it. So there's Gary and I, and I'm like, sweet, he's going to be my buddy for the day. So we were spreading mulch, and so Gary, did tell me a little bit about, you know, where you grew up, and well, I grew up in River Park, um, um, California. He, his dog's name is Cooper, and uh, you know, his wife is Leslie, and just kind of got to know Gary quite a bit more, and, and discovered discovered that in May. Um, Leslie's going to go visit her folks in California and leave Gary here all alone. And I'm like, oh, cool. That's an opportunity, maybe to care. That's a chance to care for Gary. Maybe we can make him uh, some dinner one night and just bring it over to him. You know, something, some act. You no, know, we have to do it. We have to do it. But be intentional about that. Now it brings me to this too. So we're we're getting like, how do we reach out in love? One, we reach out to meet the need. Number to or let her be there. We preach the gospel. We gotta speak up to preach the gospel. Because I can meet the need, but never tell Gary about Jesus. Which brings me back to my notebook. I gotta, number four, I gotta communicate the gospel to them. Somehow communicate the gospel. They need to know some things. My act of love alone isn't gonna save them. They gotta know Jesus. They gotta know why he died. They gotta put their faith in him. In fact, there, there are four main things they have to believe. One, God is holy. 2 we are not 3 jesus died on the cross and rose again for our sin and number 4 we can believe would you do that with me number 1 god is holy come on god is holy number 2 we are not we are not holy and you can put all kinds of verses to that right romans 3:23 for all have sinned all fall short of the glory of god it's us Number three, Jesus died on the cross and rose again for our sin. Say it, Jesus died on the cross and rose again for our sin. John 3.16, Romans 10, um, 8 and 9. All these verses are there to prove that Jesus died for us and rose again. We share those verses with them and then I will believe. Again, John 3.16, by faith we're saved. We believe in in what he's done. God gave his only begotten son that whosoever should Believe in him. And i gotta, I got to pray and ask God to give me chances to share that. So that's time with Gary and Leslie. That's getting to know them. That's loving them and loving them. And that's why I get to number five. We've got to continue in this. This is going to be something we do over and over again. Tom and Linda and Devin and Zeus and... Yes, Gary and Leslie. So you get the idea. I'm just I'm just we're just very intentional. Gotta be intentional about this. Couple of questions for you. What would keep you from making an intentional plan to reach your neighbors for Jesus? What would keep you from that? Again, I say it like I said at the top of the sermon if you just come, you sit, you listen, you leave, you don't really do much with the sermon, I'm just entertaining you. And People who entertain you make a whole lot more money, okay? So I'm talking about, no, no, I'm just kidding. But you get the idea. It's like, I, wanna, I don't want to just entertain you. I want to challenge you to change and grow in your faith. Who has God placed in your life? What actions of love can you do this week, man? Can you just do this one thing? Find one action of love to reach out to somebody and do it. How can you prepare to preach the gospel more. Because that's that's where it gets scary, right? Be honest with me, that's where it gets scary. Like actually going through the truths of the gospel with somebody, like that part's the scary part. But we have a booklet back in our uh, copy room about sharing the gospel, and it just leads you through how to share the gospel, how to get a conversation to the gospel. I, I hope it's helpful to you, but I would encourage you to grab that and see what God can do with that. Hey, we're just looking at what Peter and John did. They saw the deeper need. They believe that God can use them. They reached out in love. And then we see this. i have the worship team come now, if you would, please. Number four, rejoice in the glory of God. Rejoice in the glory of God. Take a look at this. This is so cool. Verse number eight. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. It's just funny to read this while Jaden is uh, crippled and trying to get on stage. Like, that's just... It wasn't like intentional illustration, but it works, okay? It works. It's a God thing, yeah. All right. Verse number eight. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. They all saw something amazing had just happened because they told the story. He couldn't help but tell the story. He couldn't help but sing. He couldn't help but praise the Lord. Because Jesus had just rescued him. Jesus had just healed him. And he just wants to proclaim that. Rejoice in the glory. And God got so much glory for all of that. Hey, how many times had this dude walked into the temple and his own power? Never. Now he is. Why? Because of Jesus. Before, um, many of you have seen The Chosen or watching The Chosen and we're, we're just finished season one again because we wanted to watch it all again before we started season two. So we watched season one again last night, just love it. But Dallas Jenkins, is the creator of that, before he began doing that, worked at the church that sent me to plant the church. He worked at Harvest and he would do these God at work stories. And so this is kind of like one of his main jobs was to put together and tell the stories of, of how Jesus changed people. And, and Jesus changed my friend John Kelly. John Kelly grew up in the streets of Philadelphia. He was a, a gang member, a drug addict. and uh, when he was young, uh, John Kelly and a group of guys broke into a home to rob the man, and they shot him and killed him. They were caught, and John was put in prison. And in prison, John was given a Bible he began to read the Bible and read it and read it. And someone came and ministered to him and told him of the gospel. And John believed it. His life was changed. and He was growing in his discipleship. When he was out of prison, he felt God maybe calling him into ministry. He ended up going to Moody Bible Institute in downtown Chicago. There he was attending Harvest Bible Chapel downtown. And... Uh, um, ended up getting called by the Lord to be a pastor, went to the school of church planting, planted a church in Chicago, and God is using him greatly for the Lord right now. And, and that's a story to tell. Because when people hear what God can do, God gets the glory. Amen. And it will lead to multiplied opportunities. Even our worship can be a witness, church. Even our worship can be a witness, And our acts of loving kindness will lead to multiplied gospel opportunities. We're going to see that in the next story next Sunday. But what I want to do today is just end rejoicing in what God has done. So here, we're going to sing the song, All Glory. I want you to, in your mind, remember how God has rescued you. Think about your sin and your failure and how God loved you anyway. And someone preached the gospel to you and you believed it. As we sing, would you just worship God with that? Then I want you to think about, by faith, the stories that God is going to write through you. Because I believe that if we do this, God will use you, I know He will, to write even more gospel stories. And these stories of the cross, these stories that God will write, I want you just to, in your mind, already begin by faith praising God for what He's going to do. And let's just leave this place filled with singing and praising and if you want to leap, go ahead and leap I'm saying we're going to sing and we're going to praise and we're just going to enjoy our God together as we think about what he has done and what he will do. So Father, we ask that you fill us with that even now. Thank you for this incredible story. Thank you for my story. I don't know why you saved me. Who am I to know you? Who am I to be called by you? And yet you saved me And I want more people to know. I want more people to be reconciled to to you. And you said the need is all around me. The fields are ripe. God, please, this week, even more, help me to open my eyes to see it. Help me to believe that you'll use me. Help me to reach out in love and help me to see the gospel impact and rejoice in it. I'm asking all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing.